Well, welcome, welcome. Uh, this is a, another episode, another segment in what we've called uh, the Stones Will Cry Out. Uh, you may recall that in Luke 19.40, right before that, I, guess, I should say, Jesus is coming into Jerusalem for the last time. And people are laying palm branches down and saying, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And, and we, we, we know that the Pharisees thought that was terrible. And they turned to Jesus and they said, tell them to stop, tell them to stop. And Jesus said, if I tell them to stop, the stones will cry out. And what he's alluding to is that the Holy Spirit comes upon us. And, and at any time, and at most times, the Holy Spirit wants to speak Jesus into the world. And I call that your personal parable. So today we're going to talk about a personal parable. That's what Jesus has put on our heart, to, to speak him into the world. It could be a moral story. It could be just a story your life is telling. And then that kind of fits into what uh, St. Peter said in uh, 1 Peter uh, 3.15. Remember, he said, always be ready to give an explanation for your hope in Christ. And so that's what we're going to talk about. Today, I'm, uh, I'm Deacon Tom Burke. I'm here with, at, at St. Joe's Evangelistic Radio here in St. Charles, Missouri. And we're happy to be here. And I'm happy to invite my friend and guest, <laughs> Jody Fry. Jo Jody and I are friends, and we've been friends for quite a few years. I knew his hus her husband as well. We may talk about him a little bit. But also, uh, we know each other from St. Joseph's in Cottleville, which is just down the road from where we're at now. So, Jody, welcome. Welcome. Good Hi, to see Tom. you. Hi, yeah, Tom. Good to see you. And uh, uh, I, I thank you for uh, accepting my invitation. We're just going to sit around the coffee table here a little bit and uh, talk about, you know, what's on your heart now? You have, you have a lot. We've talked to before, and you have a wealth of experiences that you've told us. But I'm curious, what's the Lord telling you now that, that if you don't tell me and, and people who might be listening to this, the stones will cry out. Well, I guess the biggest thing on my heart is where how the Eucharist has come into my life in so many different ways. And it started back when I was like in uh, grade school, when I was uh, confirmed. Well, let's go ahead and add a little context for people who might not be familiar with that. The Eucharist is, is, is the source and summit of our faith. It is not the primary sacrament. Baptism is, and it is for us and our Protestant brothers and sisters. But we are getting to the Eucharist because Jesus came into the world. He was incarnate in the world. He walked in his flesh in the world. He turned to his, his disciples in, in John 6 and said, If you do not eat my flesh and drink my blood, you will have no life in you. He then goes to the Last Supper where we have the, really the ordination of priests and says, do this in memory of me. This is my body. This is my blood. And so we Catholics, of course, believe that it's not, it's not just bread and it's not just wine, that it is, it is, it is transmuted. It's, it's created into Jesus by the action of the Holy Spirit. And that's the Eucharist. And, and so it's almost like we say Eucharist and Jesus and we have no distinction. <laughs> So I just want to bring that up so that we can be in the right context. Is that what you're talking about? Yes. Okay, cool. Well, yeah, because of the Eucharist, Jesus has been in my life in very poignant times. I always like to say Jesus is like my best friend, but how best friends, which is really sad, how best friends you get very close and then you kind of drift apart. And then as soon as you see each other, it's like you haven't been away for years, but then you have to rebuild to a certain degree. Well, that's how Jesus has worked in my life. But as the years go by, as you'll see in my little short stories, 
it's grown exponentially to now I cannot fathom not having the Eucharist. Ah, okay, so when did, when did you first get the, how did that come about that you, that you, that you got and start, initiated this relationship with Christ? I was raised, I was born and raised the cradle Catholic. But what's weird is I never, I do not remember one incident of my first communion, but yet my confirmation was like a big aha moment in my life when the bishop said, you are a soldier of Christ. That was something that I carried with me a lot. But at that same time, I was living in the South, and if anybody knows the South back in the uh, 60s, in uh, in 50s was and we lived in a very deep part of the South where there was a lot of segregation but my parents always taught us to be respectful to every human being but I didn't realize until years later that a very poignant experience happened to me at the same the same year I was confirmed that I put prejudice on a religion instead of on people what was that about when John F. Kennedy was assassinated, I was in the sixth grade in the public schools, and it was a rainy day. I'll remember the day till the day I die. And the, there was only like one teacher on the floor because back then kids were much more well behaved with <laughs> in school. And uh, the word came upstairs that John Kennedy had been assassinated and killed. And everybody in my sixth grade class, until the teacher got up there, were shouting. Thank God the Catholics did. Thank God the Catholics did. Well, that was, was, was that something you had not run into before? I had not seen it blatantly. You know, growing up in the Baptist belt, you always knew that there was different religions with different things. I also knew that Catholics were much in a minority. And I lived right across the street from an Assembly of God church, so well, I was used to that. What struck you when this happened? What, how did that affect you? It was like a shutdown. Don't open your mouth to let anybody know that you're Catholic. Don't open, don't, it's like I had to hide and not say anything, but it touched my heart. I hadn't been confirmed yet. This happened in November. Well, I, was, I, I get the impression that this really wasn't something your folks were talking about. Oh, no. It was something that you got from the reaction of other people. Right. Okay. And it, you, you know, maybe there was a lot going on at that time that, I didn't realize it, but that's what stuck in my head because it was so pointed about Catholics, like, oh, they're going to crucify me, you know. And then after Easter, you got to remember, a lot of things happened to me at Easter time. (laughs) Easter's a big time, so filming this this week is kind of ironic. So at Easter time, right after Easter, I was confirmed, and that's when I became a soldier of Christ which was kind of cool because everybody wanted to know why I was allowed to be out of school for two days because we had a retreat before confirmation and none of them. So I had to let them know, but I, you know, you hit it, you know, it was because of my faith or my, but you never told anybody you were Catholic. When did this uh, idea or carry through about the being a soldier of Christ? I'm intrigued on how that played out with you because it's different. The Holy Spirit acts in so many great and different ways in each one of us. That's kind of our mission on earth to spread the kingdom of God. So how did that, how did that next come to your opinion where you say, you know, I was a soldier for Christ and I was fed by the Eucharist. I think that's what I'm getting Right, from right. It, it's the fact that as a soldier of Christ, Jesus is always there and there's going to be 
good time. You know, you're going to win some battles. You're going to lose some battles. And and I guess that's how the soldier of Christ is played through my life because we always have, as a soldier, you always have to have the pain of the passion as well as the glory of the resurrection in your life as you're moving forward. Now, we're talking about, uh, you know, what what Jesus is wanting you to talk about uh, right uh, now. Yeah. And, of course, reflecting on being a soldier of Christ, how does that how does that play out? Because obviously even soldiers go through boot camp, right? Uh-huh. Even soldiers get training not only ahead of time but also in the field, don't we? Right. So tell me how that worked out. Well, you know, as I, I, was before, I came through Vatican II, which was another big thing. You know, I had been given great education on our religious faith, you know, the mass, the, the prayers, the confession, you know, reconciliation. And then all of a sudden, one year from in PSR, it was so strange, and I'll remember that too, we went from learning about our Catholic faith to learning social justice. And social justice became the high point, and it was like, where is God? And the way the teachers didn't have, they were just thrown books, I think, because it seemed like in one year they took Jesus out of everything. So I still had my faith, but I stopped going to church. And when I stopped going to church, I hate to say it, looking back, high school, college, early college years, my life was pretty messed up. <laughs> well, I, 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 I'm struck by what you're talking about here. Uh, Bishop Fulton Sheen says something, and I, I hope I'm quoting him correctly. He says, if you don't, if you don't, behave as you believe, you'll end up believing as you behave. Absolutely. So so for many of us, we start believing as we behave. Right. We we become our own gods. But I went to college, but the Lord has a strange way of knowing how to bring you back, and it's not really in the ways you'd think sometimes. I had a very tragic experience in my college years. It was very devastating because I was game, right? But it's amazing how the Lord works because I had this prejudice against Southern Baptists. Even though I loved my roommate, she, went, she was a devout Southern Baptist when this happened. And after it happened, and we went and we went to counseling, and it, she went with me. And she looked at me after the next day, and she says, you need Jesus in your life. Because she was a devout Southern Baptist, went to church service all day Sunday, went to uh, services on Wednesday. And she must have read my face and knew that there is no way I'm going to the Baptist church. Well, you know, that's great that she, that she had Jesus in her life. She knew that Jesus is the great healer. Uh, not, I'm not trying to tell anybody right. to give up right. seeing their doctor or therapist. Well, but he's the great healer, and she knew that there was, she, she could sense there was a void there that he could fill. Well, yeah, because back in the 70s, if a woman went to the authorities and said it happened, it was going to be all my fault. Right, you know. So, and that's what all the, when we went and talked to everybody, they said, if you want to press charges, it's going to be your fault. So that's when she looked me in the eyes and she says, Jody, and she was so honest. She looked at me and she says, Jody, I know you can't go to the Baptist church with me. I am taking you to Catholic mass. And she did. She did for a whole semester. So after, after going back to church, did you have, was, was there anything about the Eucharist going to church then that you felt a greater connection with Christ that you didn't have at your first communion or even at a confirmation. Yes, but you know it was like it was like a, a awakening, a peace 
when I was started going to Mass and receiving the Eucharist, it was a peace that I hadn't had before. Now, I'm not saying I was a saint because my self-image was down to zero in a lot of ways. I'm sorry, Jody. You have to die to become a saint. I, so so you're, you're not quite there yet. Yeah, okay. but, but that's, you know, after an experience like that. But I had something to hang on to. And I found, and it, it's amazing when you're open to what the Lord is asking. I didn't say no to her, and, but all my Catholic friends came about, and one of my very dearest friends who actually found me and got me out of the situation, I didn't even know it was Catholic. He was from a town close to Columbia, and his mom, who worked at the university, took a good friend of mine and me to their house for Easter that year to spend Easter with her fa his family, took us to church and everything else. Once again, it was Easter. The Lord has a crazy way of being there and gave me support and love that I needed at that time because you don't just tell everybody what's going on in your life. And his mom became like a second mom in Columbia to me. Oh, that's great. That's great. Well, uh, so now I, I'm so sorry to hear about your tragedy. And, and it's we, not the, the we event. We talked about it uh, yeah. before. It was interesting that that although the evil one takes every bad thing and tries to make it worse and to disconnect us from Christ, it's often at those times, isn't it, when when we center ourselves back in his presence again and, and feel his presence in the Eucharist. And, and uh, of course, that's we're getting ready for Lent here, Ash Wednesday <laughs> is this week, and we're all going to try to get closer to him and, and maybe reflecting on how tragedies have hurt us and how he's continuing to seek us, how God always is seeking to encounter us to initiate that. But then I think that, uh, uh, you know, we're not really walking through your life, but what would you say that the Lord wants... You to, you to tell now uh, as a result of his walking with you in the Eucharist. He's telling me that he loves me, that he is always with me. And it's the craziest thing, and it's my feeling when I receive the Eucharist, my heart tells me I am carrying the Lord in my body, in my soul, as Our Lady carried her in his womb. And I feel like I am a tabernacle for at least a short time. You don't, and I don't really want to leave church after receiving it, but I know that he's directing me to go out in the world. So I'm trying to change my life little by little and to spread the word of what the Eucharist and how miracles of the Eucharist have happened to me on more than one occasion. Well, maybe you can share a little bit more here about miracles in the Eucharist. We're going to take a short break, and then we'll come back, and I'd like to pick up right where we left, left off. off. Yeah, okay, that's great. good. <laughs> All right, well, we're back after a short break. And uh, Jody, you were talking to me about how, how the Eucharist, and it's fascinating how the Eucharist Jesus in the Eucharist has continually reached out to you and been there for you when you really needed him. And we, we left off a little bit with a tragedy that you were working through and worked through uh, after your college years, but uh, he's, he, he wasn't done with you yet, was he? No, not at all. Okay. After I moved back to St. Louis, my best friend got me going to Charismatic, you know, at our parish. So on this particular Ash Wednesday, as our typical Wednesday night, but it was Ash Wednesday, so we went to Mass. We went to our uh, charismatic meeting, and then we went to the local pub where all the college students hung out, and I met the love of my life, 
two months and eight days after I met him, we were married. We were married for 43 years. In that time, we moved like 16 times because he was a field rep, but we always found peace and solace in the Catholic Church. Well, he got sick about nine years. We were, I would call us cafeteria Catholics because we picked and choose what a lot of times what you wanted to believe and what you didn't, but the Lord always had his hand in keeping us close to him, maybe not as close as, and then my husband got sick and he had a major conversion, which kind of helped pull me back really close to going to church, but I used to joke with him that he was going to get me to heaven by, by, because I wasn't going to do the work. Well, the Lord has a strange sense of, uh, of love for doing things. So the, right before COVID, the Lord took him home, which Bob was very happy. And if I didn't have faith, I would have never made, like eight weeks after he passed, we went on lockdown. So during that... Well, COVID really would have been different if, if you hadn't had that relationship with, with Bob since he'd already gone to heaven, but also with Jesus. Is that, right. is that what I'm hearing? Right, because the night that he passed, I saw a vision right before I went to sleep of Our Lady of Fatima, and she went black, and then they called me from Barnes telling me that he passed. So my heart knew that she had, Our Lady, our beautiful lady, had taken him home. But still, that's a great loss of 43 years of marriage, you know. But because of faith, I went to Mass the morning after I, you know, I was at church to tell a close friend that he had passed because I didn't want this older gentleman to hear it from anybody but me. And I went to Mass at 6.30 Mass. I got home from Barnes at midnight, and I received Jesus. And all through that, I must have been in shock, but it, I had Jesus. I was going to Mass every day, and I was I was at peace, and then they locked everything down. That was probably a very traumatic time for everybody. But it was really hard on me, but I knew that Jesus had given me everything I needed before then. But once again, <laughs> on... Holy Saturday night. This is the this greatest. is like right after the lockdown in March of right. Of, that of we were only our church holds over fifteen hundred people here at St. Joe's, and we were only allowed ten people in the church mm-hmm. at seven thirty on Holy Saturday night, the night before Easter. Father Nord called me and asked me if I would uh, read at Sunday Mass on the next day for Easter Sunday. Well, that sounds like a Holy Spirit moment. Well, I'm not a lector. Oh, I didn't know you're not a lector. I'm not a lector. He called me at 7.30 for 8.45 Mass. That's not too many hours difference. Just over 12 hours before I was, I was not going to say no. Yeah. I want to put this in context so I can understand it a little better. Excuse me. You and Bob had... uh, had come in, come back to the church. You had gotten more faithful after he had had kind of a heart scare, and uh, uh, and that had been ongoing for quite a few years. So much so that you were uh, really a, a, a somebody who was always seen at at mass in the morning. You were a daily communicant, and being a daily communicant, you were not only known by God and God knew you, but the priests knew you too, and he and he knew that. Uh, uh, I don't know what his inspiration was. I don't know if you've ever talked to him about that. I don't think it's necessary because we kind of know it's the Holy Spirit, right? And so uh, in that context, you were asked um, that, that only us clergy were able to go to Mass on Easter that year. 
you were asked amongst uh, uh, roughly 15 to 20,000 people to lecture uh, at that mass. Yes, you know, and he called at that late in time too, you know, he said that he, everybody he had called to do mass had not gotten back to him and Monsignor had suggested my name out of the blue. So it, it, was, it was definitely a Holy Spirit thing. So I got to go to Mass on Easter Sunday, the year that we everything was locked down, and I got to receive the body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ. Ever since that Easter Sunday three years ago, my life towards the Eucharist has totally 100% changed. Because when I go to Mass now, I am at the Last Supper, I am at the Crucifixion, and I'm also at the Resurrection. So you're, you're talking about something that, that we, we all know as Catholics, but, but is well worth, worth expanding on a little bit, is that, is that the, the Catholic Mass, which Mass means sending, but the Catholic Mass is, is really different than a lot of our, our Protestant brothers and sisters who go to our worship service. At the Catholic Mass, uh, you're alluding to something that many of us have either forgotten or don't pick up on. And I'm so glad you brought it up. At the Catholic Mass, that we don't believe something, we experience something. Absolutely. At the Catholic Mass, in addition to believing, it's, it's both and, we believe that Christ is present, but he bring, we are brought to, it's, it's like made present to us, uh, the, his, the Last Supper, made present to us his, his passion, death, and resurrection. And it's not just sort of like it's happening. We're rubbing shoulders. We're, we're, uh, we're reaching across the table in front of Peter and John and saying, hey, how you doing, Jesus? Because he's, he's there. And, and you say, before that, what, what I was, was that? I was more like? like a spectator. Oh, okay, okay. Now I am actually a participant. As we start the, after the Liturgy of the Word, when we start preparation for the Eucharist in the Canon of the Mass, it's like I am going in to Jerusalem for Palm Sunday. I'm waiting, anticipating. Then I put myself at the uh, Last Supper. And some days I am John next to Jesus. Other days I'm Peter. And some days when I feel like I'm not that good, I feel Judas and have to pray and ask that my heart is converted. And then after I receive, it's like because I pray that I want I have Jesus in me, but I'm also on the cross experiencing his great love and blood there, or I'm at the foot of the cross with Mary, or even um, the Saint what Longinite, the one who uh, pierced his Sometimes I feel like I'm here, but he had a great conversion. The blood of Christ is so powerful. And I get emotional just thinking about it being there at the foot of the cross. But then at the closing of the Mass, it's like you don't want to, you're waiting for that anticipation of the resurrection because you know that you have been given the greatest gift there is to be able to be a tabernacle that we can be like Mary. We can be the great gift of carrying Jesus within us. That is, and once you experience it one time, some days it's euphoric and other days it's passionate because you have to look at yourself and are you worthy of that such a great gift? Well, I'd like to answer your question. 
No, <laughs> but, but we're not, right? Right, we know, right. We know we're not, but, but yet it's not, we didn't have to earn it because we couldn't, right? right. What's, it, what's that saying? Jesus, Jesus uh, uh, I can't pull it out of my head now, but he, he gave what we could not supply so we could be like sons and daughters right. again of God. Right. And so uh, uh, your experience e e over these last three, three years. years, right? Three years. Is, is really a wonderful testimony that Jesus wants us all to know. He wants to know that, that it doesn't make any difference whether we're uh, teens in, in PSR or, 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 uh, or uh, in young adults or, or uh, maybe past the middle of our years, that he's always reaching out to us. He's always wanting us to bring us into that union with him and the Father in the Mass. So now that the Mass has taken on this new character for you, how has that, that affected the other areas of your spiritual life? Well, it, it's enhanced my prayer, but it's also, it's like what we started out screaming from the rocks. If I don't let people know this experience, especially Catholics at Mass, that I have this, if nothing else, just to let them know how he had worked through me is putting myself at that place that, you know, and just how... I have learned so much more, even to the extent that, you know, we're praying with the priest who is praying to the Father in heaven, you know? Little things that you may have learned as a kid that the doors were never open, that the Mass has become the most beautiful prayer that we have in our Catholic faith. It's universal because I've lived all over the world. But once you realize that when you walk in, it's not so much the church, it's the mass. Well, that's interesting. I also, and, and that's so great, uh, how, how universal and how the, the, the church has set this up on purpose for an encounter. So uh -huh. they all have an encounter and they know that the mass is a great way to encounter that. What would you say to somebody who, who might say, well, that, you know, that's really, it's really wonderful for you, Jody, you know, and, <laughs> and, and I see how God put his, put his finger on you. What would you say to somebody who wanted to dispose themselves to this, this experience that you have? What would you say to them? I'd say go in and just relax and say, come Holy Spirit, and just relax. Say, come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit, because that was a prayer somebody taught us years ago when we were learning to pray unceasingly. This person said, to pray unceasingly is three words, come Holy Spirit and relax in the Lord and let everything else go. And you may not, every person's gonna experience Jesus in a different way, but if you can relax in his presence, he will always be there. And, he, and he's not failed you yet? Never. He's never failed you yet, right. He may he, not give me the answer I want, but he's never failed. <laughs> okay, well, well you know, I, don't, I don't think, you know, that's, a, that's another thing, too, and I'm going to talk about it briefly, but because you say not giving me the answer I want. So many people I've met, uh, they want to figure it out. You know, even, even sitting in Mass as a spectator, they say, well, I'll give my heart to you, Jesus, once I fully understand this Catholic faith, once I fully understand it, it all makes sense to me. Well, uh, <laughs> <He'll> uh, <never. laughs> it's, just not, it's just not that way, right? No, you you disposed yourself to Jesus, and he 
disposed himself to you. Right. What a beautiful testimony. I want to thank you for that testimony. Thank and you. the testimony that you speak into the world with that, not only by your presence at Mass, but as you carry forward, as you take that blessing and going forward. Thank you, and God bless you, Joe. It's great to <laughs> see you. Thank you.